Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. All right, McFarland. Sammy, yell McFarland. So everyone here. McFarland. Hears All right, Gordo, yell McFarland. McFarland. Yeah, hey, cool. Old McFarland oh. had some energy. That's some, they certainly <laughs> do. You better start getting that heating yeah, energy. It's get, it's going to get cold real quick. You know, they, they helped us with the AC. Now they're going to help us with the heat. Ooh. It's, it's going to be com- turned up. It's going to be turned up at Fenway. It's coming. It's coming. already turned up at Fenway. They, uh, they turned it, it up high. <laughs> well, all right. Well, this is a quick one just because I wanted you guys, you know, I said, oh, well, what do you want to talk about? I think it's pretty simple, right? Obviously, the Red Sox get swept, but who cares? And now we're even now we're doing draft order stuff. I'm like, okay, it's exhausting. Um, but I do want to sort of, Get your guys' vibe. It's the first games, not including Thursday, but it's the first games after sort of everyone's dissected the Heimblum thing. They went up to Toronto. Uh, They had close games. Good effort. Nice try. Good effort. Nice try. Um, But, you know, what? I just want to sort of get the, the vibe of, all right, now it's officially, it's official. Today is officially two weeks from the end of the regular season, right? Why the Red Sox were losing, you were doing um, dong bongs in the uh, in the Baltimore clubhouse to celebrate their victory. Um, so you know that that world exists, but it is not the world that you are living in now. Winning Sam, seems fun. It, it does. It, it seem seems fun. kind of fun. I mean, and those Baltimore people, like they are a lot of them. Because, and I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the people who work there. Like they're young people. Right, they have not gone through this by any stretch of the imagination. So anybody there who isn't like, oh yeah, this I want this ride to last forever, they're mm-hmm. lying to you. Mm-hmm. They're lying to you. The Red Sox, I can tell you, sometimes in those celebrations, you're like, really, really, I got to get my tape recorder wet again. Really, come on, it is, yeah. So uh, a. A sneaky thing about those celebrations. How many ta- before before that? How many tape recorders have you been through? Have well, you, have you really, lost it, any in any? Nah, it's not really the no. It's not really the tape recorder. It's um, it's before the cameras. I mean, the cameras they get, but we're not allowed to have cameras in there. So it's more about what you wear. You know, you just got to go down there with a t-shirt. I mean, that's like that's the biggest thing because whatever you wear, it's going to take three trips to the dry cleaner. To, to get the stink out of the champagne. And and really, like, other than that, it's just like a free-for-all. 
it's it's kind of crazy and and when you're in there as a reporter it's more about like i got to do this you're running around getting guys and and you know random guys will pour stuff on your head and that's sort of like okay yeah you know it's okay but it's more <laughs> it's more like when you get in there it's it's all business because you know they just clinched or whatever they clinched you got to get stuff done and i think for tv it's more of like the we but I will say it's the cutting to Christian Arroyo with a, a bud box on his head. Right. I mean, there yeah. is, there's a, that is that you go out to, you know, so yeah. So anyway, but the one thing, the one subtle thing that I've always done, which is you obviously can't take bottles away. You know, that would be a good gift. Take the bottles. I mean, maybe somebody does, but I don't think you can. So I would always grab the corks off the floor Great Christmas presents. Great Christmas presents. Turn them presents. into ornaments or just like give whatever you want to do. There's so many things. Earrings. Nice necklace for the lady. Nice necklace. Ooh. I like that. that cool. Yeah. Thank you. Good <laughs> pendant. Like okay. a couple handfuls in your pocket, really discreetly just walk. I mean, that that's is, is that that's that's exactly you hit the nail on the head. I the mean, smell I of champagne is certainly an aphrodisiac, I'm sure. That's well, have you ever got though. champagnes in your champagnes? Have you ever got champagne in your eye? luckily uh, no no but i've heard it's terrible it is so bad it is Campaign so problems it, before the evolution of of goggles and clubhouse celebrations they were so dumb like how do you not think of goggles before it is it is well, so I, I think we need to go back to the to the olympic uh swimming goggles i think david ortiz with those on is so much more funnier than him rocking the. i Oakland's. agree with that coop wait but hold on i feel like we see guys still not wearing the goggles they do yeah, the, I think the goggles are cool now because it's got the reflective thing. It's, it's, it's not like you. It's not like it's going to kill you. We see eyes. Like you yeah. see these guys with the eyes out, and they get they get sprayed. Can you imagine but losing I, Pedro ahead of the ALCS because he lost his eye to champagne? I don't. I don't think that happens. <laughs> I, I I do think uh, like a welder's a nice welder's helmet that would mm. be not, that would be good. That'd be Did pretty it, cool. Yeah, Johnny Gomes almost like kill. Five teammates or something during. Oh the my god! Who yeah. popped a bottle and almost killed Garen? Oh, that was a that good call, right? Gordo. That was a that he actually told that on this podcast. Fire extinguisher. That's what it was. A fire, fire extinguisher. He that's brought it in a shower. Yeah, that's right. Good, 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 Paul. Yes, always turn to gums when it comes color. to parades and celebrations. Um, all right. Well, anyway. Sammy, you start. What's your vibe right now? What's your? Do you feel any different than you did like three days ago? What's my vibe right now? So that's a really tough question, almost an impossible question, because there's no vibe. The Red Sox are in season-end purgatory. I feel like we're waiting for the offseason to start. The one good thing is that this is going to be a crazy offseason. But these last handful of games, Devers game-tying home run with two outs in the ninth, I had to check to see if I had a pulse. My God, it's just vibeless. No vibe, not even a bad vibe, just no vibe, which is exactly what we didn't want when we spoke earlier this year. So uh, I'm not loving it. I'm not having a great time. I'd I'd rather be uh, putting water in my eyes to get the champagne out, but that's not happening for at least a year. So uh, yeah, vibeless, no vibe. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, even when the Chris Sale, like, I mean, I was thinking back in the weekend, I'm not even close, right? The Chris Sale performance was the be all end all. Not that was, well, Chris Sale, what, like, I, I really like Chris Sale. I know people are sick of, I don't want to hear him talk about how there's no excuses. He always says the right things. I appreciate him for that. 
I feel bad for how it's gone for him. But fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. I'm glad to see him do well again. Had to check to see if I had a pulse for that uh, one too. Uh, Rob, right. do you consider Chris Sale bigger than Bayo getting his 10? Getting his 10? Did he not get 10 strikeouts? You know, right yeah. oh, I don't they both, they both I don't, did. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I, clearly. Like, like who cares? I don't I that's, I don't care. I don't here's, a, here's the thing. I don't care about any milestone. I care about zero milestones. The only milestone that I care about is if Tristan Cass get one more home run so Joe Castiglione paints his nails. That's it. That's the first okay, thing that's I thought fair. about when he when he went on the IL. I was like, no. I well, no, no, no. I'm, I, I thought I thought yes. Because that, lock, that locks up my bet with him. So that whole day, he will be wearing all baseballs and boring uh, gear, paraphernalia. To continue, to continue on my no vibe thing, <laughs> I kept saying the one reason I've still been enjoying watching the Red Sox is 90% to watch Casas hit. And now he's not even playing. Let's take it away from you. Yeah, uh, we, and, like, I still like watching uh, Rafaela. Uh, thick I felt, uh, like, yeah, I felt rough. Like, honestly, like, I felt oh, bad yeah. for Rafaela. Hey, you don't usually feel bad for guys, but you know, but here's the thing. Everybody knows he's a really good defensive player. This isn't like a major league, minor league thing. The guy made a human mistake. That's what he yeah. made. He made a human mistake. I felt bad for him. It is what it is. You have to take the criticism, but still, to suggest like that... To, yeah, to suggest that hey, you know, this is this is a sign of things to come. It's just not accurate. I mean, I can tell, maybe say, hey, you know what? He's not going to hit. I don't know, but in that sense, it was it was like a human mistake, probably one yeah. that we'll never see him make again. Real, well, totally agree. Qu- question is bat all you want. There's some valid criticisms with the bat, although it's looked good. But the defense, come on. Can it's I no- tell you this though? Before we uh, move on, thick Willie. Oh yeah. Uh, first of all, I can't surface the video. Oh, it sounds too much like Dick Willie. Uh, <laughs> even more reason to surface. And definitely, I can't make it, do it. Make it catch on with everybody. Everybody I've play, played for. So, and people don't know. Obviously, you know, Sammy. I think you're the one who came up with this nickname, right? Yeah. Thick Willie with three C's. Thick Willie. And so I got clearance that hey, Thick Willie, do you like remind me and call Thick Willie? No. And then I got a video of him. I, this is. I, I approve the nickname Thick Willie, and everybody I played the video for this is like it, it, like in hysterics, right? I can't do it though; it, it sounds too much like Dick Willie. It's a great nickname, though. At least we all fully agree on that. Yeah, it's a but quality nickname. Yeah, I mean, but we're gonna have to. It's gonna have to be a gradual rollout, soft launch. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, and, I've been plugging the name on social media i don't have the biggest following in the world but i'm i'm, I'm trying doing my best <laughs> what i got this and is then, like gordo doing the campaign for uh jaron duran for uh, well yeah, that was the whole idea right though it's different yeah. because thick willie can do whatever and the nickname plays jaron duran for me to plug for me to campaign for him to make the all-star team he needs to hit that's when true. the bet is on and as soon as we made the bet he stopped hitting i i i will well that's at that exact moment, actually, literally to the day, and then when it became hopeless, he came just close enough to to tease you. But I think with Thick Willie, like one thing I'll say about him: please don't play. I, I, this is like the most misjudged position uh, placement I've seen. I, I told somebody this that that Thick Willie playing center field 
is not as bad, but along the same lines of the misjudging that Abraham Almonte should play center field. I don't oh. know why. I don't know why he get, was a big get boy. That name like, out of here. I, can't I mean, do that. this is literally like the Abraham Almonte thing is like this literally go like hair. Everybody you want to see like the the, the, the Pablo <laughs> Sal- said what, what it looked like with Pablo Sandoval play center field. There you go. <laughs> I mean, nice guy, nice guy, nice career. Did finish the season in uh, playing against Worcester today for uh, for Syracuse, but but I think think Willie Willie Abreu is a really good player. I, I would say as go so far as to say I think he's going to be a regular player next year, but not in center field. Not in center. That, that last play it was a hard play, but it was he's just it's not. I don't know why. With the outfield, and he can play center if you have nobody else. That's exactly. Funny. But the hope, my hope is just like, I've been watching him with like the, like the same thought. I was like, the guy's not a center fielder. But that's also with the presence of mind that Jaron Duran's not in the lineup every day for the Red Sox. Right. I th- like Jaron Duran next year is, I want him to be our everyday but, center fielder. But, but, but here's the thing, Koo, that Hunter, uh, yeah, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro's Sorry. back, baby. The, the, the poor man version of Hunter Renfro. Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall was supposed to be your center fielder. Sorry, I just blow the woofers and tweeters. But was supposed to blow was supposed to be your center fielder. So at the be think about at the beginning of the year, like you talk about judging things. He was supposed to Adam Duvall was your center fielder. Kike Hernandez was your shortstop. Like those are two huge and I, I could see Adam Duvall. He same sort of thing as Willie Abreu. He can play it. But should he play it all the time? Probably no. not. See, this I mean, is the problem. We spoke about this, Rob. I think you were the one who brought it up. Way too many guys coming into the year. Actually, coming into the year and still, way too many guys being asked to do things they haven't done. Like, what? Ugh. Kike at shortstop. I may never recover from having to watch that for so long. Every time I think about it, my blood pressure just goes up. Like, who, who signed off on that? Every day shortstop Kike. Well, in in doing uh, it with, with it, doing it with one week of spring training, you know, which was crazy. Anyway, so this might transition. I was about to ask a question. Oh, go ahead. Cool. That's all right because cool. it might go, transition go. us into this topic. Um, do you think that's a Heimblum mentality that's going to be lost with whoever is brought in now? The fact that like we, the Red Sox prerogative is signing guys that you can plug and play anywhere. It, I remember talking about in the offseason where Heimblum kind of looks at baseball where it's going in the direction of basketball where you just have a guy that's versatile and can play like any basic forward position. And that's what it felt like was happening this year where he can get anyone that can play up the middle or outfield and just hopes it, that it works. Do you think that's something that gets left behind and whoever comes in starts doing the whole we're signing a third baseman to play third base, we're signing a left fielder to play exactly left field? We're signing a first baseman to only play first base. Do you think that will be the direction going forward? Uh, I think that that I know what you're saying. I like you personally. I respect your opinion. But that's not what he was doing with Kike Hernandez. They they were basically saying, here's your big chance to play shortstop. There was no like there was no. Yeah, the signing wasn't in mind that he would be playing. Entering this this year, it was, okay. you're going to be our shortstop. But do you think. Kike yeah, stood I, out because he had that ability to. Yeah, do that. I, th- I think that didn't hurt. Fox, he, yeah, they prioritize those guys. Like they, they have like the Heimblum administration. They did prioritize the guys who can be versatile and play multiple positions. Which it is just great. happened that you know shit hit the fan and they actually had to go with that whole 
we do need to start using but these if, guys. But if, you, but if you look at it, I, I know, go ahead, Goro. Like, he wasn't, it happened and he was the starting shortstop, but that wasn't the plan A, the plan B, the plan, like they said their plan A was Xander. That didn't happen. They said they're, so they shifted to Trevor Story. That's plan B. Trevor Story goes down. They traded for Adalberto Mondesi. He's going to be the shortstop. He doesn't play a game. So now you're, you're on to Kike playing every day. And once they figured out that that didn't work, they went to Pablo Reyes and then he went down. So basically Kike ended up being. They went to Bobby Dahlbeck. I was going to say, we had Bobby Dahlbeck starting at shortstop 12 games into the season this year. Not even like middle of the summer. Oh, it's like dog days. 12th game of the year. Six foot five, Bobby Dahlbeck. All right. Well, so, so, so we don't have to like rehash, like totally rehash what happened. It's a good question. A good answer. Um, or a good conversation about if that's the case. And I don't, I think that, that you're on to something, but Raffaella represents that, right? So where do, where do we see Sedan and Raffaella playing? Which is sort of an interesting thing for me. Um, even though Sammy's pumping his fist, Gordo, I'm going to let you go first since you haven't talked, except for just now. Actually, you have talked, but I, I'm, I'm <laughs> gauging everybody's time. Uh, but, you know, there Let, is let a, Sammy go. Sammy pumped his fist. I want to hear. Okay, what he has there, to say. but there isn't before Sammy. Uh, before Sammy comes out of his skin, ready to give us Sedan Raffaello position talk. I will say this: is that there is like there isn't that logical second baseman, right? Unless you want to say Pablo Reyes or Luis Urias are there, um, and we all know like how great. Other than that one play, Raffaello is in center field. Sammy, go ahead. The floor is yours. So I actually have a pretty strong opinion on this. If you couldn't tell from my fist bump, but at least with the Red Sox, well, just the Red Sox, I 90% of the time want the best outfielder in right field just because of how difficult Fenway's right field is. So you basically need two center fielders like they had with Jackie and Mookie. So I think Rafaela fits best in right field. Further on that, I think Jaron Duran's made some pretty big strides defensively. I don't know if he can handle right field at Fenway. You got to have a rocket arm and cover a lot of ground, and he's got some decent range and a fairly middle of the road arm. So I think, based on the roster right now, I'd like Rafaela in right, Duran in center. Now, if they go get someone like Luis Robert and he's in right or a big time right fielder, then you can move him over to center. But um, yeah, with the roster right now, uh, until Luis Robert gets here, <laughs> Louis, come on, get, get it, get it, get it right, will you? What about it's, Lu- it's Louis Robert, Lu- Louis, Louis Rob. Until he gets here, I'd like Rafael in right field. Go ahead, Gordo. What, what about when Mike Trout gets here? That's true. Yeah, but yeah, come on. But in all seriousness, he, he right. Come on. In all in all seriousness, one thing that everyone focuses on: okay, what do you need? You need starting pitching. That no question about it. That science would suggest that's true. You need a right-handed bat, man. Like you need a right-handed bat, and because the odds of Duvall and or Turner coming back, I think are less than fifty percent. So you got to find something, mm-hmm. preferably in the outfield uh, or DH. But you know, you need a right-handed bat. I feel like it almost has to, like, unless you want to invest in like a Teoscar Hernandez, which I wouldn't necessarily be a big fan of. It's got to come via trade, and even there, like I've been scouring, looking at the outfielders. Look, I've been making all these cap sheets and trying to figure out who is going to be the outfield alignment and who's going to slot in at DH, and how can you get Yoshida to DH sometimes at least. It is hard. There is not much. 
So like I, I tell you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that that maybe the way to do it, at least for a year, is to do exactly what Sammy said, which is to because I've been under the impression that it's going to be an either or with Raphael and Duran, but it honestly might not be. Maybe, maybe no, I don't. I don't think it will right. be. I think that I think that you could Rafaela could definitely be flipping around from second to to outfield and um all right well so how about this if Turner leaves I know another DH who's going to be a free agent yeah Peter Gammons <laughs> what Peter Gammons what are you talking about oh Shohei wait no no I'm not talking about Shohei oh okay I was talking about, who are you talking about then. I'm talking JD, about JD Martinez. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> wow, that would be something. I mean, you know, you need production. That's not. He's a right-handed bat. Shohei goes to the Dodgers. They but but here's team. here's here's the problem. The Yoshida thing has become uncomfortable for me. It's like the the fact that that and I get it. Like this is his first season here, and it, but. There's something like you're, you're 30 years old, like to, to get through this whole idea of getting through a whole season. I don't know. I, I don't know how much of it was. You played a lot of left field and you wore down because you're playing left field. I don't know. It's baffling to me because all in all my in all my years, I've never seen like this narrative with a guy where you have to rest him every like every third day. Manny wasn't even like that. No, nobody kind of was. Bizarre. I so, we had Hanley Ramirez playing left field. Like we had some. You're, no, when you, you look at you, you look at Yoshida's first and second half Rob, splits. Question about Fenway left field. I feel like for most new guys, it's initially very difficult to learn, but once they get the hang of left field at Fenway, it's one of the easier jobs. It's such a small amount of it's ground. Not, I don't think it's easy, but I think that everyone has their issues. Like, and I think with Yoshida, he's petrified of the wall. Yeah, I think I think that's his issue. I think all it took was one ball going through that light, and he's he's like that could have been my head. (laughs) You see that my foot goes through there. Could have been me. (laughs) What are they making this light with? It is bizarre though, Rob. Like like people talk about him. There's kind of two sides to it. There's that one group who talks about him like he can barely walk and can't play any defense at all. And I know he's not great out there, but like relax, people. And there's the other group who's like. We need to ease him in. Be super gentle with Yoshida. No. Like, let him take a scooter to like. It's nothing to do with. It has nothing to do with Fenway left field. It has to do with hitting the baseball. And Gordo, you were going to say what was his splits? Uh, first half of the season, he had an eight seventy four OPS, and coming into today, second half, just a six forty six. Yeah, and, and and it's an uncomfortable six forty six too because it's the same thing. Where you're rolling over, you're rolling over, you're roll. I had oh, uh, Alex Spear was nice enough to. I was up in the press box. He rolled over and won. I said he must lead. I tweeted this out. He must lead the majors and ground balls to second. Sure enough, it, ground balls like the, some of them are hits, but ground balls to the second base side. He was tied with one Soto for the lead. And you know, I, I the, the uncomfortable part about this is that he's not 25. He's 30, and I understand it's a, it's a new league. But I just think he's athletically limited and and probably best suited. We'll have good numbers if he can DH. But then you, of course, now you put yourself in another spot with Turner isn't here. 
you have to get another outfielder, so forth and so on. So Does they, that create better demand for a Verdugo extension, you think? No. no See, I feel like that's, that's a good happening. spot. That's a good spot for someone like Duvall. You bring back Duvall for a year, and you can have him play some left, some right, some center, give Yoshida some days off. They definitely need right-handed bats. You're right about that, Rob. Yeah, and, and the Duvall the, the conversation is tainted right now because he's not doing well. But yeah, he's. Do you think but you have to ask. Multi year deal. Do you think he has a multi year deal? I I don't. I wouldn't give him one. I wouldn't no. want the Red Sox to give him one. But I do. You, I is that no? Is if he there? finishes honestly, as 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 short sighted as this sounds, if he finishes like he has been playing, that's going to be a tough one. Agreed. Because you know why? Because some people, his his agent and others, could say, "Well, he's just in a bad spot," but. There's always the lingering issue about the wrist. And, you know, did the wrist wear down? Is the wrist all right? Is he going to be? He went on a run for a while, man. It wasn't too long ago. So, anyway, I don't, I don't know. I got to look at the free agent list to see if there's anyone better. But you're going to need someone. because that's, that's the thing. There's not much. Trade-wise, we, we, we can revisit this. We can revisit this um, in the offseason. I'm sure we will. But Oakland has a decent, not great, right-handed bat in Brent Rooker. They're not, they're, not, they're not trading. And if you do I'll trade, trade him, him, why not? Because he's like their one good player. Yeah, but he's 28 and they're 27 years away from uh, contending. <laughs> That's fair. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see them not trading him, but I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, he's the 28 and he's going to be 55 by the time they're ready to compete. He's going to be 55 by the time they're 500. They're going to be in some city we've never heard of. They're going to be out of Vegas at that point. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be a free agent. Nashville is going to sign him. Oh, uh, bring a team to Nashville. That's okay. a different conversation. But uh, from what I hear, word on the street from Will Fleming's, as Jemai Webster calls him, and Jemai Webster, Toronto lived up to the billing last night. How so? I don't know. Just, just going out? Just going out talking a great game of baseball. Where they kind of do it. I know Montreal is typically the city for going out at night. Oh, no. Well, the thing is, the film festival is in Toronto this weekend. Oh, okay. Okay. And Toronto is Toronto is a sneaky. So what you have to understand about Toronto, it's it's like this is basically the New York City of Canada, right? So you have actors and models all over the place. Shout it's out, crazy. Drake. It's, cra- it's crazy. It's crazy. You know what? If I hadn't told the story 50 million times, I would tell Are you. Are you talking just, about the boat? My Joseph Gordon-Levitt story again. Oh, I do not know that one. I uh, do know about the boat. You guys have heard it. I don't want to tell it again. I was trying to get you to tell it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not going to tell it. Uh, G- Gordo, what's your vibe? Uh, I'll t- I'm taking a different approach than Sammy on this because I've, I've so... Like, I still watch all the games, but I've checked out emotionally on that. So it's... I'm not even thinking about that. Coming from the guy who went on the rant defending Heim Bloom and, and has been upset about the firing. I'm a like I've I've come around I'm not I still don't think he should have been fired. I still don't think he he definitely didn't deserve to be fired. But I've come a I've found a way to positively spin it in my mind because it does prove like them firing Heim Bloom proves that ownership cares. And it's it's allowed me to mentally get myself at least into this mindset that maybe the Red Sox are going to spend a bunch of money and give us like a fun offseason for the first time since like seriously when was the last fun offseason we had is it is signing jd martinez in spring training a fun offseason probably not that was, that was definitely so it's, it's chris sale 
it's crazy that like that is the last fun off season we had was before 2017. And I, I'm I'm talking myself into thinking that maybe that's going to come again. I make all these you know cap sheets where I try to put together what, how I would make the roster, and I've I've upped my budget because I I think that maybe that's coming. So yeah, <laughs> I, I feel a little to, bit more strongly. Uh, fast forward to March, we'll be talking about is Pavetta the number three or the number four? <laughs> I see. Listen, and, is <laughs> just kidding. I, wait, you tie yourself. Don't even dog. don't even dare. Don't you dare say <laughs> I'm we're not. Sorry. That is that so happen. So the it's funny you say that because you know since since that happened right you know been asked a lot a lot about why it happened problems and, and all the things that I said before but one thing that I I think that and I would actually like to ask somebody just sort of on background if this was a thing at some point what where I don't think that ownership was confident in this in the way that things were setting up that the stuff that you're talking about having the fun off season that that was going to be like possible in the in the way that Heim's mindset was and the way he did i think that we had enough examples of how he viewed things so to break off from you know and the obvious one is yamamoto the, the, to break off from well we're going to break off from the model we're going to pay more way more than we think he's worth that's you know that's just hadn't been part of the equation so i i think that it's just this is kind of a guess but this is like ownership view this off season they know that they need people to have fun as in your words in the off season to get people back so, the, so there wasn't booing at winter weekend again and all that stuff but they needed someone to, to do that and i don't know of all the good things that heim did i don't know if they were confident that he was going to be able to do that does that make sense no yeah. it makes it makes perfect sense and as much as I liked the direction that Heimblum was taking the organization. If that is the type of offseason that you want your organization to have, it's 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 just the fact that Heimblum, he's not going to go away. He's not going to be anything but himself in that job. He's you you can't tell him we want this guy, this guy, this guy. If he doesn't think it's a smart baseball decision, he's not going to make it. That's just not who he is. And Gordo, if you truly believe that Red Sox ownership wants to win, then logically what Rob said has to be the truth because I really can't think of another outcome. If they really do want to win and they got rid of Bloom, it has to mean they didn't think he could land the big fish. So, And it uh, means that they want the big fish. That's, yes, that's exactly. the biggest takeaway. Oh, I don't, I, don't th- I don't think there's any question they want the big I mean, this is... That's a big deal. Like, we haven't had that. Like, yeah, but... but years. Yeah, yep. well... Kyle Gibson, baby. Here we go. Like seriously, those are the discussions that we've had for years, and it's like, yes, like we all appreciate the direction that the organization was going and is going, and the place that they're in right now is really good, and it allows them to more more confidently be able to make those big expenditures. Yeah, but do we do we remember what that even feels like as fans of this team? It's been so long. It's oh, been. I, I remember being in. I remember where I was when Carl Crawford was signed. I was just about to say oh. Carl Crawford was the last big fish. I like no, Santa no, no. Morris. David David Price is David oh, Price. Yeah, that that's true. And, and then you have the they have the Kimbrel tread. Then you have, of course, if you want to talk about the last big one, it was probably it was probably the sale trade. I mean, like you can say signing JD Martinez, but that was so weird because it didn't happen until February. JD and they was knew it was going to happen too. Like we we had mentally signed JD Martinez 
months before that. Oh, like, I had I had the JD Mar- Martini party at uh, well before he was signed at <laughs> at Baseball Tavern, where zero people showed up except the people, the twelve media members who agreed to be on the podcast. At my- JD Martini <laughs> party. I think I. I I don't Run think it back. <laughs> were we even excited when it happened? Like I wasn't even ex- like when we when they traded for sale. So I in college, I my roommate was like maybe not even 150 pounds. That was in Washington. I'm surprised you didn't run down the lobby. I, I went to the winter meetings that year. Yeah, so it was just at, for a uh, day. Okay. Did that happen at the winter meetings? It did. Yeah. It wow. did. And because well, okay. well, Washington was the other team involved, and it was at yeah. the uh, what do you call that area? Where was it? It wasn't Foggy Bottom. It was more of the um, by the wharf. Or, it was there was a Ferris yeah. wheel by the hotel. Yeah, no, yeah, because it was over. It was wharf, I think though. it was because the MGM had just opened up at that point. Um, anyway. but it was right by where the MGM is. Yeah, so that's where it happened. Well, any anyway, my roommate at the time, he's like this hundred forty pound kid from China, knew nothing about baseball. They trade for Chris Sale. I literally picked this kid up like holding him horizontally in my arms and like shove him into the wall. I'm just going nuts in my dorm. It's like, I haven't in the morning. I like got out of bed. Yeah. It's probably late morning. You guys are probably already in the afternoon, but I slept late in college, pick him up, shove them against the wall. had no idea what to do with the rest of my day. And I swear I haven't had that feeling for a Red Sox move since. Yeah, dude. It, I was going to say that was not early in the morning. I, I was in Kenmore walking around when that happened. <laughs> Gordo, how late you sleeping? But no, I, that was exciting. How did you guys feel when um, when Story got signed? It's obviously not the same degree, but that was that felt big. That was exciting. But there was always happened, the, the, it was. Go ahead. I rem, go ahead. That that happened on St. Patty's Day, or maybe or it was the day of the parade. So I I was getting ready to go to my buddy's place in Southie, and. We were just like ripping McGillicuddy nips the entire morning, just jacked up for Trevor Story. Like I woke up that morning groggy, and then I get the Bob Nightingale tweet. I, tr- don't get me wrong; I was excited. It was no Chris Sale excitement, but I was excited yeah. for that. But the problem was, is that there was the undertones of Xander. You're protecting that you're protecting yourself against Xander leaving. I meant to block that. And, oh. and and you had there was a lot of reports leading up to that that he couldn't throw like you know ninety feet. So, which actually turned out to be true eventually. So it's, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think story, but I think the sale thing was, was the biggest thing. And then you have to ask yourself, we talk about all the stuff. Well, okay. Did they feel like those moves that Heimblum was, uh, would be able to make them? And, and, you know, and that goes to when they pick a new person, I, I do think that that's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at has the person made these sort of moves or shown the ability to make the moves and because you can't get caught in that situation again. And I tell you what, you know, we, I just did a baseball's and boring podcast for Monday. Um, we just went through the best GMs and president of baseball operations, Julian McWilliams and myself. And, um, and one name that I mentioned, and then after the podcast we taped, it was revealed that they uh, were in the last year, of their contract was Kim Ng from, the Marlins, who I would love. I yeah. would love because because she has shown the ability and the willingness to make really hard trades. Mm-hmm. And she and values it's, defense. And it's paying out for them. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and that, Rob, to, to your point, this is why 
and don't get me wrong, um, I'm blanking on his name. Dodgers exec from Brandon Gomes. Um, yeah, Gomes. I'm sure he's a super smart guy. I'm sure he'll have a great career as a GM eventually. But right now for the situation with the Red Sox, I feel like you gotta get someone experienced. You can't do another version of Heim Bloom. You need a guy, like you said, who you know can make these big moves. I might push back on that because he might understand that the Red Sox are at that position now of like, hey, they went through that whole beginning process the Dodgers had to go to. And now they might be at that later stage where you can start surrounding the the younger guys with like actual talent. True, true. So he might look at it as that like it's I don't have to go through like the dirty process of this. I can step and I hope a lot of people are looking at that because I don't think a lot of people look at this position underneath. Fenway Sports Group as something that's ideal because of the way everything ends. Nah, I don't. But I, I'll I'm push a, back on that. Do you think you it, it's still kind of that? heralded as like something illustrious? I, I, I have a pretty good, good idea who's saying that and who feels that. And and I will say this: I say I think there's plenty of people now. Will Mike Hazen want to you know leave Arizona for? I don't know. That's a, that's a that's a complicated decision. But in terms of what this represents this whole like it's a terrible job no it's not you know why because a you don't have a bad team a, b you see you're you have, money you have a de- you're, you're going to be given money you have a decent farm system and maybe most importantly they have proved the ownership group is definitive when they say you have this job you're making the decisions this is your baby dombrowski bloom whoever this is well, there it is own grocery shopping total, per se total alley though Feels like a feels like a total alley oop. Heim Bloom built it up, throws the next gem the pass, and the next gem's got a boom, slam it home. Well, um, I mean, that, yeah. Is it is it truly their baby though? If they don't get to hire their own manager, because it kind of feels like I think that, I, I hired, well, like, this, this is another conversation. This is another conversation we had. I had with Julian with you know. I do think it's that's why you know as good as Cora is, there, there has to be some uncertainty. Because I don't think this is going to happen, but say, hey, they they hire Sam Fold. You know, it's like, do you think Cora is going to be like, oh, we're going to go through this sort of thing all over again? I don't know Sam Fold. All I know is that he is the guy who I was competing for the managing job with. And, and you know, there are guys, there are people who are will be under consideration where I can tell you, like, okay, Alex Cora wouldn't mind working for them. Mike Hazen obviously knows him from when he was in Boston. They were both in Boston before. A guy like John Daniels. John Daniels um, interviewed him for a managing job, and also he played in Texas. You know, when I was in Tampa, like, Cora, like, John Daniels is over by the dugout, and Cora's like, hey, J.D., and he calls him over. So he's friends with him. And I'm not saying that these are the guys who are going to get the job, but I think that that factors in to this because I also think – that this ownership group wants Alex Cora to manage because he's a good manager, right? Yeah. Right. So but do you think it's a drawback for the, like, cause you're talking about would Cora manage again under one of these guys, that whoever the hell they consider, but with these guys that they consider, would it, would, would it take away from the job if they know going in, I'm not going to get to bring in my own manager, this ownership. No, I, I don't, I don't, I, here's my guess. Complete guess is that I, I think that, Whoever gets the job will be able to pick his own manager. And that could very well be Alex Cora. I think that. That's big. Well, I mean, again, this is a guess. This isn't a report. Right. This, but this is this is 
This is a guess. I'm just, yeah. So I'm not going to do it. Uh, um, yeah, this is a guess. But that I think that the empower that's the importance of the empowerment of running. Much like you know, they let Haim go through the interview process. Now, did they say, "Hey, Haim, we really if it's close, we really want, we really think Alex Cora should be the manager." Do they think that? I don't know. Maybe. So uh, yeah, I don't know. But um, okay, we gotta we gotta get going because we got uh, stuff to do. In other words. We'll find out once again why baseball is better than football. Oh, squish the fish. Yeah. Squish the fish. All right. All right, fellas. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 